All right. We're going to jump right on in. We're going to jump right in. Welcome back to Reality Check. Episode... Episode... Welcome back to Reality Check, episode three, where we are going to recap and give our emotional reactions to Love is Blind, season five, the best one yet and the worst one yet, episodes five through seven. If you guys have not seen our recap on episode one, two, three, and four, you can go back on my YouTube channel and check out those or on my podcast, Undiscovered, under the segment Reality Check, and we have all of those for you there. We better jump in because we have so much to discuss, so I don't really want to waste your time with a boring intro because JP, JP. Ooh, Mr. JP. Is about to get roasted personally from me, okay? I know we said that we are not going to shit on anybody, but honey... exclusive uh conversation not on recording in which i said your fans need you to talk about jp (laughs) and they need you more than they need me so i'm just gonna let you kind of diatribe here i would say like my inner child needs me to talk about jp (laughs) for all of the women that have ever been told by some self-righteous uneducated asshole who probably identifies as a man that you look prettier without makeup. Um, yeah, you can leave the relationship. Yeah. You can just leave it. It actually, you don't even need to say anything. It says so much about him. Listen, we are all allowed our preferences. That's fine. First of all, you chose to get motherfucking engaged to this person because you said, you know what? I think love might actually be blind. Well, you know what, JP? Turns out you don't really motherfucking believe that because the second that you saw her, you were like, actually, your physicality makes me think that you are fake because you're wearing makeup, which it's never about the fucking makeup. It's always about something way the fuck underneath that. However, I will say some guys are that fucking stupid that they actually think that the disdain for makeup is what is making you find this person unattractive. If you are going to police what I do to my face, I don't want anything to do with you. And I think when you say you look prettier without makeup, it is such a backhanded compliment that only you think is a compliment. And it just tells me, JP, that you have dated 0.00 women because 99.9% of women never want to fucking hear that. We want to hear, I think you're beautiful no matter what the fuck you do to your face. It is not up to you. The same way that I'm not going to tell you to fucking throw out all your American flag shirts and maybe lose a couple pounds because I prefer a man that doesn't look anything the fuck like you. I am angry because JP, you don't hate makeup. You hate women. Mm. Okay. I'm so mad. We all saw him talk about his childhood in a very raw way in the pods. My initial question was, I wonder if his mother wore a lot of makeup. That would make sense as to why the reaction felt out of proportion Mm. to the situation. I'm not saying that we know that at all, but that's what I'm talking about when I say what's the thing under the thing. Totally. When someone's reaction feels a lot bigger for the circumstance, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that they're having an irrational emotional response. Yeah. It just means that they might be responding to both current stimuli and past stimuli that has gotten subconsciously triggered. So I can I can see that. Yeah. 
We but don't know. We'll never know. Not excuse Because you're not him. invited on this podcast. I was going to say, not an excuse for acting like a douche. Darsh. I don't think there's that much more to say, but I do just want to point something out that you just landed there with that I think is so important, which is this whole <sighs> I'm bit. like actually angry. Because <laughs> I've been racing. told that. I've been told that by so many men. There was my one ex-boyfriend that was like, you look like somebody just threw mud all over your face because he thought I wore too much bronzer. So like, I don't know yeah. at what point you thought your opinion was being solicited, but there was no like, here, JP, I'd really like you to give me an honest review on Taylor's face today. Can you please just walk us through? Especially if you're on a show called Love is Blind. I know. You the, are- producers, the producers did well with him because he really is uh, an encapsulation of why that doesn't work, I guess. My God, I mean, the same ex that told me that my face was covered in bronzer, he didn't have the ideal male body, right? He didn't look like Ken, okay? And I never needed him to. Like, I have been sold the same fucking messaging about how men should look that men are sold about how women should look. And I was sitting there looking at his little fat pudge being like, oh, that makes you you. You're so cute. Why the fuck do women not get that same courtesy half the time? I'm going to say what I was going to say before. Sorry. No, you're fine. I mean, because you said something, which is like you hate women. JP feels clearly like, I'm going to use the term emasculated, which I have feelings about this term, but we don't have enough time to get into that today. It's a whole other episode. But he feels like emasculated, I think, Mm -hmm. by the way in which she's pointing out how quote unquote awkward he is acting or awkward he is being or Mm. the fact that they can't have any conversation. It feels like the moment that she started to kind of call out. And yeah, I'm not going to say Taylor did this like flawlessly, but she tries to call out. She's like, hey, why can't we just talk about something? Like, why does this have to be so awkward? And yeah, she's like really hyping on this, but he's so insecure about that. That in his sense of emasculation, in his sense of being told he's not being manly enough, Mm -hmm. he completely points his finger at her and he says, all of this is happening. My woodpecker kisses and my, you know, I don't want to steal your line, but while watching. I'm going to give him credit where it's due because I do want to give him the one round of applause that he deserves. His Charlie Chaplin impression was Fucking phenomenal. Incredible. <laughs> really rocked that out of the It was park. actually spot on. The Joker impression, too, was phenomenal. Like, this guy could actually maybe be an actor. <laughs> I don't know if we want to give him that opportunity. I don't know if Groundlings is hiring, but this guy's got impressions up his ass. I think it's when men get emasculated or feel emasculated that they become violent towards women. And no, I'm not going to say this was an active physical or necessarily verbal violence. But I would say that like, this is a moment where he can't sit with his own discomfort with how he's been. So he says some pretty like hateful negative things to her. I mean, he says, I'd love you if you had this face, the face that didn't have all the makeup on it. He also just, (laughs) if I was going to say anything was violent, um, it's the fact that she tries to start conversation with him so many times. She just goes, do you think it will be cold outside or do you think it will be cold? And he goes, it's probably cold, <laughs> but not too cold, which is the most unhelpful response because she's trying to figure out like, should I wear a jacket, right? Like how warm should I bundle up? What should I anticipate in my body? And he can't even give her like 
an opinion on that. You know how Lydia gets an inch and takes a mile? JP got a mile and didn't even take an inch. Didn't even take an <laughs> inch. Not even a millimeter, this guy. Like... And if she's like, yeah, she's handing out miles. I mean, she's also handing out things that are really big. Like, do you think you could sleep next to me for the rest of my life? I think she gets into this place of like, okay, he can't do light conversation. He can't do like the fucking weather. So let's see if we can get him to do like big conversation stuff that we might have already talked about in the pod. Yeah, I feel like he was almost stonewalling after he saw her wear makeup. I mean, and I want to say, like, as somebody with more anxious tendencies, I really felt for Taylor because I could see her without saying the thing. She was dancing around the thing for a long time, which I think I did around her age way more. I think she's like 25, uh, especially because you're on TV and it's like you don't want to just jump straight to the throat. Not that even her question would have been jumping straight to the throat, but... I think she was in so many words trying to like not know what was really happening by saying questions that were obvious answers kind of, which would you sleep next to me for the rest of my life? It's like, okay, well, he's giving you nothing. And that is like a huge, huge sign, which obviously she picked up on, but I could feel her grasping for some sort of confirmation that maybe she wasn't crazy and maybe he was still in it. Yeah. And that's really confusing because he kept on saying, I just don't want you to leave me. And it's like, wait, what? Like you're, you're, you're getting to my most important line that oh, he right. says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think well, I don't know if it's the most important line that he says, but I think it's a perfect ending to this diatribe. Bye, JP. Forever. <laughs> he says, I'm never going to give up. All we have is now. The future isn't now. To which I say, the issue <laughs> is that she's not happy now it's this now that she's not happy about i actually might get up and leave (laughs) and that's the end of this episode we've spent all that we have left in us (laughs) this is why i could never be a therapist because if i had someone like this in my office i'd be like you fucking leave and you fucking fuck you like, this is why I would be the therapist on shrinking that's like malpractice all over the place. I'd be like, you're a clinical fucking narcissist and I hate you. Get out of my office. You stay with me. Now we're going to be codependent because I feel like I need to save you. Okay. And that's where the real work begins. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm going to force this to transition to Izzy and Stacy. Probably most famous scene from these last few epi- episodes. Um, well, there's probably two big scenes, but the first one that comes to mind for me is the whole bit about the lost and found in his apartment <laughs> and her saying, if you really loved me, you would throw out all this jewelry and, you know, I love and care about you. So I threw out all of the photos I have of any person I dated in the past. Mm-hmm. And they get into like a pretty serious argument about this. I think what we're seeing there is, is somewhat silly. I think as the scene seems, we're seeing something that I see all the time in couples therapy, which is, People not knowing how to deal with the fact that there are real differences in a relationship. It's like we live in this early stage of the the relationship that Ellen Bader, who is a couples therapist, talks about, which is like the symbiotic stage. It's like we're Mm -hmm. falling in love with each other. Mm -hmm. Everything is like really perfect. Same. Like all those moments. Those early stages of the relationship that are like those symbiotic stages where it's like everything we do is the same. We have the same likes. We're getting along so well. And then we have this 
next step where we actually have to notice our differences. And sometimes that's really painful. It's like that shattering of the illusion of like Which perfection. Uche did so um, well at. <laughs> yeah. Basically, what we see them trying to do is acknowledge like, oh, she has different financial priorities or different spending habits. He has different ways of managing past romantic or sexual relationships. Mm -hmm. And they get into this really tight bind, which is if you loved me, then you'd fill in the blank. Yeah. And that gets really mm, sticky Mm -hmm. because we usually get those messages from our friends, our family. You know, in a particular family, if you love me, you always write a, a card on my birthday. Mm. Other families, take or leave the card. It's true. It's if you loved me, you would throw out your paper plates. I mean, that's such a trivial example of like, sure, Stacy, it's fine that you wanted him to have glass plates, but to make such a black and white claim that love is glass plates, like, let's just take a look at that for a second. Yeah. Why that- is he supposed to know that? It, exactly. And I think for her, it's like this... <gasps> Oh no, we're we're actually not the same. We're we're actually not like. What if this means we're not compatible? Which yeah. is something we've talked about in past episodes. What we want couples to do. This is my little educational tidbit. I love it. Naomi does a tidbit. Naomi does a tidbit. It's an educational tidbit. I'm gonna add. <laughs> I need that. Yeah. Always. Can you pop into my sessions and just Naomi's educational tidbit? Tidbits by Naomi. Tidbits by Naomi. It's a tidbit by Naomi. Oh, wow. Okay, here's the tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> what, we, what we want is for a couple to move towards healthy differentiation. What mm-hmm. is differentiation? I'm going to read the definition that Ellen Bader gives, which is it is um, the active, ongoing process of defining self. It's basically being able to say, this is what I think, what I feel, what I desire. It's a means of expressing and activating self, which is to say, I can be different from this person across the room from me. It might mean that there's some hairy conflicts because there's going to be some stuff that we both want to assert in ourselves, but I can be different. And even if they're different from me, we can both hold steady in ourselves such that we can appreciate the richness of our differences Mm -hmm. and yeah, like work through the challenging parts of not being the exact same person. I think this is beautiful. I literally had this exact conversation with my therapist today about my mom and about just accepting people for exactly where they're at, not trying to force our agenda on people or I think you should be this way because this way is the idea of a good person, right? Like with, for example, Uche being like, well, if you're honest, then you're a good person all the time. Like it's like we have these ideas for how people should show up in our lives to fulfill our needs. And the second we understand that, Your romantic partner, and I feel like this is an idea that we all need to get rid of, your romantic partner is never going to fulfill every single one of your needs. And one of the biggest mistakes people make on this show is thinking that whoever they end up with needs to check every single box, needs to fulfill every single one of their needs, needs to operate on this planet the same exact way as them. And it's like, dude, you're never going to find love if that's the way you're walking through the world, or it's not going to be a love that you're actually going to be able to appreciate and be present in. Yeah. Uh, 100%. I'll just say this. Stacy's bit about like, she's never had a man ask her to split something before. Yeah. But in the same <laughs> yeah. breath, to use your phrase, in the same breath saying, we're going to be living in this house together, so I expect you to pitch in half, was kind of a little kooky. What are the rules, Stacy? 
Yeah. What are the rules? You chose to go on Love is Blind and get married within one week. Like you guys skipped the courting phase where maybe he's trying to impress you and take you out and pay for a whole ass meal. You guys are engaged now and you're living together and it's okay that he wants to split a meal. I understand if you also want him to pay sometimes, like that's something that you guys can discuss. (laughs) But yeah, overall, I think it's ridiculous because you guys signed a contract to do things unconventionally. So so to say that you're expecting a lot of traditional values to be upheld doesn't really make sense. And the basis of Izzy and Stacey's connection right now is that they are solely staying together because they have vowed to never give up on each other. This is just my thought. If your main motivation for staying with somebody is because you guys promise to not give up on each other, I don't know, something to examine. Yeah. What does that mean? Literally, what does it mean? Do it they mean means, not give up on the relationship? Not give like give up on what? Every single argument ended in it doesn't matter because we're not giving up on each other, which sounded to me like this crutch little safety net of, okay, so I can not heal any of these parts of myself that maybe need attention and do whatever the fuck has made other people walk away. But because this guy won't walk away... I don't have to do any work. There's no work in the relationship Mm -hmm. because he will never leave. Mm -hmm. And then you walk into a dynamic where all of a sudden you will find yourself abandoning yourself to not give up on this other person. And that is enmeshment, which is the opposite of differentiation. Crazy. And also there is a lot of story there about, you know, like white family, like pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and gaining their own wealth. I'm not saying that her family didn't have to work. It's just a little maybe out of touch. I, mean, I don't know Izzy's full background, but yeah. but this whole piece around like we had to earn our money and and therefore like you should respect that and you should be earning your own money in the exact same way and saving your money in the exact same way. And this whole piece around if you don't pay for her $15,000 AC unit, I will from the dad. It's like, oh my God, why would... Why would you need to pay for I mean, it? She's so independent. I feel like it's not even my fucking place to say this, but it was just giving massive like white privilege. Like the one thing that kind of bugged me a little bit about Stacy, and this is what I was saying at the beginning was her pick me presence of I'm a chill girl. I'm a guy's girl. All of a sudden she shows up in a floral mini dress in a giant like Connecticut type home. And she's like, I don't like paper plates. Let me tell you, Stace, if you're a guy's girl, you completely did that stereotypical fucking thing of, oh my God, I'm so chill and easygoing. And then all of a sudden you guys get engaged and you're like, actually everything needs to be pristine and proper. And I'm actually like a completely different person than how I presented in the pods. Yeah. It kind of caught up to her a little bit there. Yeah. I mean, it was really giving Connecticut. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. And anything wrong with her, the way she wants to live her life. My issue is that she did not present herself in that way at all. Right. She didn't say I'm Connecticut core. But she's giving Connecticut core. She really is. Uh, Did you want to talk at all about the weirdness of Stacy getting so fed up with that conversation that she like walks out okay i'm actually gonna say it yeah they did two things really well it's good that he said i love you when they were fighting yeah that's a great tip it's one of the hardest things to do when we're angry with somebody but to be able to say i love you and i'm feeling really angry about this right now very powerful so i actually thought that was great he wasn't owning any of his shit but it was still nice to hear it and i love the moment where where he's like are you angry or something like he's He's trying to get out of her instead of going, no, I'm not like a lot of people do. She goes, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, I am angry and, and I'm confused. Okay, yeah, that's good. And I liked that for both of them. I actually thought that was really productive and cool. We should talk about the party where yeah. Izzy is railing, to use his own words, into Johnny, pretending like he's not railing into her when he's railing into her. She's oh. like, dude, you're railing into me. And he's like, I'm just trying to give you advice. And you broke Chris's heart and all this shit. She and never asked he, for your advice. He comes back to Stacy. He's like, I railed into her so good. And it was like, oof, that? Mm. That was giving bullying, to be honest. It was abusive. Yeah, he was he was reactive. He was like shaking. I was mean, upset, right? And she even detected like, yeah, you okay? Like you seem really rattled by this. I liked that Stacy was able to check in with Izzy, and you could tell that she was like, something feels off about the proportion again of his reaction. Which to Naomi's point earlier means that. He is probably, if I could guess, reacting to multiple things, either that happened with Johnny in the pods prior to this moment, or that just reminds him of moments in his childhood that have quite literally nothing to do with Johnny. Or but in his young him, adulthood. I mean, anytime. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. Anytime in his life where someone has made him feel the way that Johnny has made him feel, Johnny got the brunt of all of that in the moment. And I think that Stacy, you could tell, was a little weirded out at how shaken up Izzy was over it because at the end of the day, it was like, I think it's more attractive and a lot more admirable when a person can just understand that that argument wasn't going anywhere and walk the fuck away. And his pride in railing and tearing apart another woman that he used to have feelings for, I think made Stacey really uncomfortable and it made me uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. It's really gaslighty too to Johnny. I mean, fuck. Yeah, I mean, Johnny's not blameless in all of this. She obviously no, said some yeah. really nasty things behind people's backs. And, you know, I'm not necessarily painting her as completely innocent, but no. irrespective of that, to your point, Izzy really got kind of carried away with how much he wanted to bring her down in a way that really felt like dehumanizing. Yeah. Like, we can call Johnny, like, oh, like immature and at times rude or mean in the things that she says, but... Insecure. Like yeah. really deeply insecure. Yeah. I kind yeah. of, I felt for her in the sense where she was trying so hard with her protective part of you may not speak to me that way and then broke down right after. And I've been in that situation and I, I felt for her in that moment of being like, I will protect myself. You will not hurt me. But then going and crying about it later because there's a part of you that also believes that the things he's saying might be true. Even though that cognitively- or, like, That or is just so- overstimulating to her nervous yeah, system, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're right. It could have been that as well. The only reason is just because of the way she presents in her past and everything. I was like, mom, yeah. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on Chris. Seems like he did a decent job comforting her. I mean, It was I, chill. Yeah. He was chill. I mean, I say chill. I don't mean like being chill is like the best thing, but it seems like he was warm. He received her, you know? Yeah. He was didn't stir the pot more. Like almost every other character on this show is stirring the pot. Yeah. I have been saying this for a while. Chris, if you're single, I, I'll i go on a date with you if like I have to. Um, Only if she has to. Yeah. But to be clear, I actually will say you guys, if you are not up to date, because I was TikToking this morning on the Love is Blind TikToks. And I don't think that's a verb. That was so millennial of me. I, um... <sighs> did see a TikTok saying that Chris may or may not have had a girlfriend before the show 
because him and Johnny are no longer together and he is now dating the same girl he was dating before the show. That is all speculation, but Chris might not be as innocent as we think. And I am a little bit heartbroken by that. It's okay. It's okay. He was like the one redeemable. I'm still gonna. I'm gonna still hold on to him as a redeemable character on the show. Just well, he's so the, you know, he's our only hope. He's he our is only our only hope. hope at this point. I'll take Milton. Milton's not bad. So glad you said it, Milty. So glad you said it, Milton. Milton. He's in a tough spot. <laughs> not because not because Lydia is a horrible human being, yeah. but he's just a lost soul. Here are things I wrote he's about a, him. He's a young soul. He's a young soul. I wrote, he says something, I assume she'd be huge because she is bossy and loud. Yikes. Yikes on <laughs> so many levels, dude. I think we just pass over these comments because he genuinely sounds like a 12-year-old boy <laughs> who's just really out of touch. I also wrote, he's so in over his head, followed by, he is so horned up. <laughs> I mean, this boy is horned the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm genuinely shocked we did not see more boners from this man i felt like i wanted to like shimmy away <laughs> like when he was like trying to like lean into lydia because you could feel that she wasn't on that level not that your libidos <laughs> have to be the exact same at all times in fact sometimes it's helpful if one person is carrying a little bit more of that energy but my god i mean he he was ready to go yeah he was in college at some point, he says to JP, so out of touch, he goes, looks like you guys are like really getting it or something. Like, it looks like you're getting it or you're having like a nice time. JP's like, no. Yeah, read the room, Milt. Read the room, Either Milty. he wanted to be asked about what he was getting. Yes, he did. Yeah. Or he's just really that horny that he's seeing everyone. <laughs> you said the best thing when we were watching. You were like, he doesn't even have the emotional intellect to understand what's going on right now. Yeah, he's just like he's a young he's a young guy. I mean, I'm not saying being young is an excuse for him saying some of the other things he said. Well, I think that comment is really rooted in fat phobia. Absolutely. Though, you know, Lydia talks so many times about wanting to be loved for who she is, but then she's like talking to Milton like he's unacceptable if he were to grow a bigger mustache or unacceptable because he is so young. There's so much like yeah. putting him down when she's in this whole thing around i just need to be loved and accepted for who i am in my soul and she just cannot give that back to him it's oh she's unable she's so unable it's it's uncomfortable i think the age jokes and not to be punny here are really aging poorly yeah 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 like i think they're doing it in this like cheeky sort of playing house they think it's cute way and it is cringing me the fuck out it's like you can feel that she is doing that because she is so deeply uncomfortable with the fact that she's maybe with a younger man. So she's trying to like play it light. But she did the same thing with this jokey thing that she did in the pods when it got serious and really emotional, which is she's being his mom, like pretty much at all times. Yeah, she's, she's really in a mothering place with him and it's super uncomfy. I mean, I don't, I, I genuinely from the bottom of my heart, like, don't understand why you need your partner to wear a certain outfit like yeah. I genuinely and it goes kind of hand in hand with the makeup thing like why is that my choice why is how yeah. you present to the world my choice like that Ooh, I just can't get past that I'm really glad you're bringing those two things up in parallel because I think it's something we could have passed over and that's super important yeah you know, regardless of gender and sexual orientation and so many other pieces here this idea that I have a right to assert how you ought to present yourself. Mm -hmm. 
And you're not going to make me happy if you don't present yourself one way or another. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can find exceptions to this rule somehow. I'm sure if somebody had a partner who's like, I want to wear a swastika. Like we'd, we'd be like, well, I guess you can weigh in on how they present themselves. But I, but yeah. ultimately speaking, yeah. like trying to tell someone how they need to be in the world is, ugh, yeah. it's complicated and there's some nuance, but in these situations, it's just a bad look. We are not a reflection of our partners. And there's that coming into play. What does it say about me oh. if the person that I am choosing shows up in the world in a way that I don't necessarily approve of? What does it say about me if I choose a person that other people don't necessarily respect, right? Makeup makes Taylor feel confident. It makes a lot of women feel confident. And if you truly love somebody, you will love them doing whatever the fuck they're doing or wearing because it makes them feel confident. You want to see that person embodied. And so you're completely right. It shouldn't be gendered because Lydia kind of did the same exact thing and it's really easy to pass that by. And I'm realizing this in the moment. She kind of did the same thing to Milton, which is you are a reflection of me. And I think that honest, authentic love is wanting somebody to show up in any way that makes that person feel their best. Yeah. It's, it's exactly the same energy you get from Stacy saying, what does it mean about me that my partner has plastic, you know, silverware? Yes. Right? This is the the, the space that people get into where their their own heavy judgments about others, other people mm-hmm. ends up being directed towards themselves. And it's such an uncomfy place mm-hmm. that we insist that our partners need to change, which is not to say that we can't ask our partners to evolve, grow, learn, change, bend ever. Just to be clear. Yeah. But in these situations, it's a, it's a blatant ignoring of somebody's expression of, I actually don't want to wear that. I actually do want to grow that facial hair. I, mean, I actually want to put on that makeup. Right. These are not things that are harming other people. These are things that make this person feel like the full expression of themselves. Wouldn't you want that? Yeah. We're talking about surface level shit, man. There's so many things under the thing of why Lydia felt like she needed to have that control. Why Stacy felt like glass plates meant something different than paper plates. Why JP thinks a woman wearing makeup means something different than a barefaced woman. They all have their shit beneath it. But like, yo, figure that the fuck out, guys. <laughs> Before bringing it to the other person. Yeah. I mean, Uche's inability, if we're switching to Uche and Aaliyah, Uche's genuine inability to listen and condescension being his only tone he's ever heard of is just making me not even want to comment on him because his narcissism, his clinically diagnosed, give me the DSM-5, I will diagnose him right now. (laughs) His narcissistic tendencies make me not want to comment because it's just going to fuel him. I don't even want to talk about him. I... I actually feel similarly. There was a moment that he had with both Aaliyah and Lydia that I think was so telling of this pattern, which is, you know, at some point, Aaliyah finally says something to him that is a genuine call out, which is, Uche, you weren't very receptive to me being emotionally vulnerable. When he's like, why weren't you honest earlier? Why didn't you tell me that you were having these doubts about our relationship? She's like, you weren't really receptive to my emotional vulnerability. And then he goes, yeah, but I did make a 180 and turned it around. I corrected it. I apologize. He says the same thing to Lydia. They're very vague about it, but it's pretty implied that he was like seeing other women at the same time as he was seeing Lydia, right? Which is not, not, even, not even, we're not even, not even. But 
he basically, you know, she's like, you weren't honest with me. And then you went through my phone and she goes, yeah, but you weren't honest right away with me. And he goes, well, that doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I was honest. I did the 180. You know, it doesn't matter that I shamed you. Here's my response. Actually, your actions do matter. It's not just your last action. If it was just the last action, you wouldn't have a bone to pick with these women, right? Because Aaliyah, her last action is begging at your feet to get back with you. And Lydia, her last action is being like, look, dude, I don't want to deal with you anymore. I want to move forward. If it was just the 180 that counted, then he'd be fucking fine. What are the rules with this man? Because every Mm. single thing that he says is a black and white deal breaker for him. He breaks every single fucking one of those deals. He expects the woman to be a certain person and he, those rules do not apply to him. And that is what drives me fucking nuts. I'm like, okay, if you're so addicted to honesty and then being honest... I'm like, what a weird addiction. Um, (laughs) Weird word to pair with addiction. If you're so obsessed and addicted to being honest at all times, and it's now okay for you to not be honest, but as long as you make the change, then what the fuck was the reaction to Aaliyah being honest out the fucking gates about her cheating situation? Because she was honest. Like, it's just, it's a broken fucking record. Yeah. If in the end she was honest, shouldn't that be the thing that counted? Yes, exactly. Because she made a 182, but this man has no regard for other people's realities. It's his story and his story only. He's yep. not interested in hearing Lydia's side of the story. He is not interested in hearing Aaliyah. He has one agenda and that is to make everybody else understand that he will always be right in every single situation and that he is the better person. We don't have space for it. And I think the reason it's so infuriating to sit with is this person is so bad at being relational, at holding relationship with other human beings. Like if he was just a character study in and of himself, that'd be one thing. You're looking at him in isolation and exploring who he is. We don't even have energy for that right now. I think what we're watching is him just be deliberately so out of touch, like you said, with anyone else's reality. Yeah. And it's just boo. (laughs) Like two thumbs down, boo. It's a deep throat. No. No. And I (laughs) want to say... Uche, I know, has been on Instagram making claims. Apparently his claim was that Aaliyah's breakup, that whole scene, they used a soundbite saying that he wanted to end the relationship when really they dated outside the show. Obviously they motherfucking broke up, probably for the same reasons that we're seeing happen on the show. Here's what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Uche, I don't fucking care about the edits that these producers and these editors made on the show. You have shown enough true colors no matter what edits happened. We have seen enough. We have enough data points to know that you are a very toxic person who is not relational, who is emotionally abusive, and honestly would probably be diagnosed as narcissistic. I'm not a fucking therapist, but anybody that gets close to this man should fucking know it. Quote, I love that the the labor he says he has to do. I had to keep checking your Instagram account because I couldn't get in touch with you for 48 hours. If that doesn't sound like Lydia, I don't know what does. Wait, what was... He says that. He He says says, what? I had to keep checking your Instagram account because I couldn't get in touch with you for 48 hours. He says that to Aaliyah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like Lydia. Yeah. So this whole misogynistic portrayal of Lydia as the crazy one when he's doing the exact same behavior. Because the rules don't apply to him. The rules don't apply. Oh, I said with Aaliyah, I think she has Stockholm Syndrome. That's what it's giving when she's um, interacting with uh, Uche. It's giving Stockholm Syndrome. He did have her trapped in a pod, just saying. Okay. I think we need to close it up on the most important part of this episode. 
the the dude in the trucker hat, the fisherman Yo. character. Yo. Apparently, there's some other stuff we've learned about this guy. We're not going to talk about the stuff outside the show right now because we're just responding to episodes five through seven. That's fair. And I think that we'll probably comment on it when they comment on it on the reunion. reunion. Yeah. And, and we if can you get don't to know, that. just type it in in TikTok and people will tell you. Okay. <laughs> the dude with the trucker hat talking <laughs> about how he'd want his daughter to marry JP. Quote, Captain America. Oh, a little disappointed that Taylor didn't break up with JP in full glam. Just saying. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't. I'm so glad you said this. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the videographer getting rich on the slices of melon during the breakup scene between <laughs> Jell between JP? What? And Taylor? Melon brand sponsored that episode. <laughs> I swear to God, this cantaloupe is on fire. fire. In that scene. It is like laid out so perfectly. <laughs> Main character energy. There's some main character energy from that melon. My Botox is kicked in so hard right now that I'm trying to laugh and you can't see it. You can't even see my expressions at all. You know who would hate that? JP. JP. I'm a fake bitch, JP. Last thing about JP, he is a walking American flag, aka a walking red flag. Mic drop. drop. <laughs> Can I just say this about the fisherman character? Carter. Carter? Yeah. Perfect name, by I the know, way. Oh, I know. The first thought I had, he's like lounging <laughs> in that like very shallow bench chair, oh, whatever see? hotel they're at. And my my first thought is, what set did you think you just <laughs> walked on to? Because that is not the vibe. I feel like he was supposed to be on like some southern home renovation show yep. as like a contractor. I I love the contractor bit. I could also very easily see him as like a townie in like a local state fair sort of, you know, advertising of like, we got corn dogs and we got fried chicken and we got fishing. You just know that him and JP are the two guys with hinge profiles where every single one of their pictures is holding up a dead fish and they wonder why they're not getting as many matches as they think they deserve. One of those photos is actually not a dead fish. It's just a dead, bigger carcass. <laughs> it's a dead deer. It's a dead deer. And here's the thing, Carter. If your ideal scenario is having a daughter that would eventually go on to marry JP, maybe you don't have a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we're going to go watch the fucking new episodes that came out. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.